With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Darkness Within presents Serial Killers. And tonight I have with me Heather McIntyre from Massachusetts and Leah Roger, who has a group called Serial Killer Investigations, and she's aware of serial killers and what they do. Um, hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Hey, hey. Judy. Well, we're doing good, but I'm maybe a little too close to New Britain to feel real comfortable. I've got a couple of friends down there, and uh, I'm going to be checking in on them soon. Yeah, you know, I agree with that because, you know, I lived in New Britain, Connecticut for many, many years, and uh, this hits too close to home, especially when I used to work right in the plaza there. They found the bodies, and, you know, and uh, I'm not too happy with that, you know. Uh, I know the, the Maynard woman, she was a very good friend of mine. She used to come into the Rainbow Cafe on North Street where I used to work, you know, and uh, I don't I, I don't know what people are thinking nowadays and why they think that they could go around killing people and getting away with it, you know. I just don't well, know. Well, that's the thing nowadays. It is it is very hard to get away with. I mean, uh, you know, back in the 70s and 80s when we really had the big waves of serial killers, it was much easier to get away with back then. I mean, when you look at how a lot of those guys were caught, I mean, there really was no science involved. Um, fingerprints meant nothing unless you actually had a suspect arrested that you could actually compare it to. Uh, you know, they didn't have DNA, cell phones, all the things that we use nowadays to to catch killers, serial killers, and people who would become serial killers, they didn't have back then. And a lot of times it was either old-fashioned police work or it was kind of almost a complete by chance, complete by coincidence, just after so long, eventually the killers would trip up and kind of fall into the detective's hands. So it is kind of rare that we see serial killers now, so, which makes this case all the more interesting. Yeah, you know, that's the true. Part but... is, is the, the, the Maynard girl there, her dad and her mom passed away. So it's like there's probably never going to be no closure with the family on this case. You know what I'm saying? Um Right. I guess there would have had to have been some family around that they, you know, told us to. Uh, New Britain's kind of um, a rough town. You know, it, it used to be a quiet town. I worked in New Britain on North Street at the Rainbow Cafe, and that's where I came in contact with um, the Maynard girl, you know. 
and a lot of prostitutes and stuff used to come into that bar to drink. You know, I also remember, you know, New Bright Plaza. That used to be a quiet plaza. Now it's like, I wouldn't walk through there at night, let's put it that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean... uh, they oh, found another one of my friends that ground. was a very, very good friend of, my, friend of mine. We used to hang out together. They found her dead behind the plaza. Ooh. You know, and thank God the body was recovered, whether that was uh, associated with this or not. They found many bodies behind that plaza, and I don't know if uh, the killer changed his place of burial or, you know, at that point, they found like three or four bodies out there just out behind the plaza. Dead in a fenced-in area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, before you, you say they're, they're building and it's a plaza now, that, did you say it was like a Costco or CVS that they were building there? Well, um, what I mean, before that, is, was it was it always like a plaza, mini mall of sorts? Or, I mean, or was it a kind of deserted area before all this construction happened? Uh, when I worked there, uh, I worked at IHOP. Uh, uh-huh. And IHOP, behind IHOP was like a little strip of stores. Today, there is, um, IHOP's no longer there. There's still a little strip of stores behind there being a music store, a packer store, on the side, there's some kind of, I want to say Midas or Jiffy Lube or something like that. And then behind mm-hmm. that is a doctor's office, you know? So right. I want to say something like that, but um, I don't, you know, this so there were always kind no of and all that wasn't there. there. So. Right. You know, I'm very familiar with the area. I'm very familiar with New Britain, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the area myself, which is why uh, I'll probably be asking some of the questions that I am. But, but no, it's kind of interesting if there were always uh, some stores and whatnot over there. Um, I I think that always kind of says something about why killers dump their bodies where they do, you know, whether it's a deserted area or not, always kind of plays into, you know. Behind those buildings was um, woods, as they explain Mm -hmm. in the articles. Uh, There are woods there. Behind there is a golf course. Stanley Golf Course is behind there. And, you know. Right. I don't know what's going on, but I think everybody done gone crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. You know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're they're focusing on somebody who's in prison, I'd be curious to find out if if there were any other serial killers or multiple murderers who were imprisoned around that time that the last killings happened or... Or <clears throat> they're in about. Hey, um, my ex, yeah. my ex that did that killing. He was in prison at the time, so we we could count him out. You know. Uh-huh. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, 
there was uh, Ronnie Schrager who did the mass killing at the little uh, donut shop down there on East mm-hmm. Street. Um, he was in prison at the time, so we count him out. Um, right. Then we had my, uh, believe it or not, my attorney, his nephew, uh, the last name's Walsh, he had a tattoo shop in Britain, and he killed a girl within, in his tattoo shop, and he put her in, like, a trunk, you know, and he kept her there, oh, wow. and they arrested him. And his own uncle wouldn't touch him as far as being an attorney for him. He says, no, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) Sure. Because he, like, basically demolished the family's name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And a little too close for comfort is what it sounds like. Uh Yeah, well. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not too familiar with uh, what other... Inmates could be possible uh, candidates for for these crimes, but I, uh, I will, it's something I will definitely be looking into. I'm definitely curious, and and if it does come out in the next months or so, I'll be yeah, curious but, you know, who it is. I don't think the New Britain Police Department is um, really looking for anybody that's locked up on the inside for these killings. I still believe that they're looking on the outside because I've okay. had dealings with the New Brand Police Department before my cousin mm-hmm. Mike was uh, an officer within the New Brand Police Department um, years ago. He's since has retired. I've had dealings with him. Officer Sullivan, he's um, retired. Officer Sencio, um Frank, I don't remember Frank's last name. They're working within the uh, courthouse. Uh, Frank is, oh, Kalelo. Frank Kalelo is now working in the public defender's office, you know, taking on Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Officer Sencio, Jack Sencio, he's working with the prosecutor's office, you know, dealing with cases there. Um, So it's like, Officer John Cass and his brother, Ned Cass, I don't know where they're at. Uh, last night, John Cass was still in the police in the police force. I don't know if he still is because he was getting up there in age. And, you know, I mean, these, mm-hmm. these are people that are, like, personal friends of mine. And I did sure. contact the New Britain Police Department tonight and, uh, if anybody has any information on these cases, the phone number is 860-826-3000, and they could call any time and give them information on these cases, you know? Sure, sure. You know, that would be greatly appreciated. They told me to call back tomorrow when the detective that was handling the case is on. You know, it's like I gave the woman my name and dispatch, and she's like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) They don't know me anymore down there because everything changed, you know? Sure. Sure, sure. Now, now were uh, all the victims prostitutes or sex workers or, or just some of them? 
Well, Leah, um, I'm reading up on them here, and it seems that at least the first three women whose bodies were found had a connection with with the uh, the drug world in that area. But um, mm. the Joy Martinez was only 23, Diane Cusack was 53, and Judy's friend Mary Jane Menard was 40. Now, Joy mm. and Diane had had past uh, problems with drug use, but Mary Jane was the substance abuse counselor. And uh, she left children and grandchildren, and everyone you know talks about her skills and how wonderful she was. It mm. says this is not you know, so often serial killers choose victims who are on the edge of society that won't be missed right away. Right. You know, they're we're looking at poverty, or we're looking at people of cover or color, or we're looking at the homeless population. And that's not the case here. These are all women who have family members who are missing them and have been searching for them since 2003. Uh, right. They they think that in July, Diane Cusack was the first one to disappear. Now, she had a history of substance abuse, and she was never reported missing. Uh, in October that same year was when Mary Jane left her Waterbury home to go get a pack of cigarettes, Judy maybe at one of those convenience stores that you know, and she never came back. And then again in October, Joy Martinez left her sister's apartment in Farmington Hills, goes to her mom's in East Hartford to pick up some clothes, and she disappeared. Um, it, it's you know So there were, were three fairly close together, and now we have four more bodies being found, mm. which, I don't know, I mean, we have not <laughs> identified the, the new bodies, so. Sure. Well, but uh, at, the, at the times of those disappearances, I mean, there, it doesn't seem like there were any tips or information that came in, any sightings, or uh, it seems kind of like uh, very cold cases that they're working from, at least from what's been said publicly. I mean, yeah. of course, I don't know what the detectives have, of course, but yeah, publicly, it seems like it, it's pretty cold. So Yeah, very um, cold cases. Yeah. The bodies were found in 2007, and they mm. were all still just beginning to be identified in 2008 and 2009. Right, which is just amazing now to think again with all the technology we have. I mean, it's hard to go down a block without, you know, walking by a million cameras and people and there's just everything. So it's kind of hard to vanish without a trace, let alone, you know, more than one woman, two and three. So and uh, not to mention the four others that haven't been identified. So well, um, back in 2000 and 2008, 2007 and 2008, we never heard of these murders. We did not hear of the murders. They were not made public until 2011. Mm. So, you know, my question is, is why did the medical examiner, examiner take so long to identify the bodies that they found years before? Sure. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of woods in that area. You know, I mean, it, it it's horrible. You got that the big mall there, the West Farms Mall. You got there, and uh, 
a lot of other malls. There's a Sears Mall there, the West Arms Mall, woods all behind them, around them, and what have you. And it's like, how many more bodies are really out there? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's my question. Yes, and it was a hunter who was walking in the woods behind the plaza uh, who found what he thought was a human skull, and indeed was a human skull, and that was in August of 2007. Um, And in the next two weeks, they found about 50 bones that the medical examiner stated were from uh, different women, three unidentified women, and then it was all the way until August in 2008 that uh, the state lab was was starting to extract DNA and compare DNA. Of course, if you don't have a, a, a felonious history or you're not employed with the FBI or something like sure. that, you're not going to have DNA on record. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the day someone says to me that everyone in the United States must submit their DNA so that there will be a record, oh, I can tell you, I'm moving to Greenland. <laughs> Right. Um, well, here's the thing that, that I'm really baffled about. The first woman they found was of African-American descent. That is the very, very first woman they found, and a dog dug her up. Hmm. A dog. The guy right. was walking the dog back there. So, I mean, hmm. why is she not mentioned here? And... She doesn't get any, you know, notoriety or anything that she was also buried back there. Now, now they're going and they're they're giving everybody else no notoriety, notoriety, notoriety. Is she know? one of the ones? Or I I did seem to see that there were two women that were murdered. Was it possibly even a mother and daughter? I don't know if that's yes. the that you're talking about. It was about. a mother and daughter. The daughter was killed in Connecticut. Um, the mother, the body of the mother was found in Tolland, Mass, and I have friends up there, uh, but it mm. was the father in the family who shot those two women, and it was a, a domestic situation, and they don't think that that's related to the other bodies. Now, okay. you know, since they're saying, gee, there's no risk, because uh, they won't say we've got someone, but they're saying there's no risk to the, the public Maybe right. there is a connection between that man who killed his family members and uh, and she well, had know. killed I, before and killed after. The pub, you know, part of the public for New Britain, and I was kind of getting scared to walk through New Britain at night, you know? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was the type of person that used to walk the streets, and believe it or not, Heather, you're not going to believe it when I tell you this. I was the type of person that would would walk down the streets in a black spandex miniskirt with nylon, (laughs) high-heeled boots on, or shoes, whatever, depending on the weather, you know. (laughs) That's how I used to walk around in the city of New Britain. I wouldn't walk around like that today. Right. Yeah. Yeah, oh. well, you know, I, I do believe. I mean, that's one thing when you have an interest in true, true crime and especially spending time with serial killers. I mean, you definitely uh, become wary of what goes on, and it definitely makes me be careful to walk the streets at night by myself. Um 
I make sure to take cabs or have friends walk me home. I mean, I'm I'm aware I'm a petite female, so, um, and I think that's true for just most women in general. Wherever you are, you know, just be careful, of course, you know, at night and, and be aware of your surroundings because these things do happen, so, um yeah. And they they do happen. And recently, um Judy and I had a show a professor who writes and studies serial killers. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. part of the the statistics that he he shared was there's between 50 and 150 serial killing cases going on at any one time here in the United States. Oh wow. Now since we never or so rarely hear of it, that's pretty scary. Sure. Uh, sure. Because where? Where are all these cases taking place? And, of course, we don't want to panic um, mm-hmm. the people out there. But on the other hand, gee, I'd like to know. <laughs> sure. I don't, well, I don't know. Uh, I, used, so, you know, I used to yeah. be in um, public housing, per se. Mm-hmm. One of the worst housing projects around. Only white female in that project. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk through that project at night, and everybody's like, oh, don't mess with her, because that's so-and-so's girlfriend. Ah, <laughs> that works. That works, really? even if you made sure. that up. <laughs> I was with was a heroin addict. I was going out to cop for him, and, you know, really? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I mean, I have to say, yeah, sure. Don't mess with her because that—that's so and so's girlfriend. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> only white girl in the project. Right, right. I'm the only one that can walk through there at night being white. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, about the statistics and whatnot. I mean. It is so cliche, but it's so true that, you know, the, the killers, the killings that happen, the cases, anything true crime related that happened in the big cities, the New York, the Chicago, the Los Angeles. I mean, those are the cases that really get the publicity. And the amount of times you hear of like the most horrific serial killing cases that nobody has heard of them because they happened in some small town in Kansas or something. And mm. and it's really very true, you know, that, I mean, even cases that aren't that interesting get all the media coverage. It's really where you happen, the right place and the right time, so to speak. And uh, timing is everything, even in crime. So, um, I mean, I, yeah. I feel like this. I mean, they're saying that, you know, the public doesn't have to worry about this. But they're, you know, they're putting it in the news and stuff, putting mm-hmm. it out there in the news that there is a serial killer around. And, you know, to me, I mean, it, it's it's a crock of baloney, unless they definitely know that the serial killer is absolutely dead. Sure. To tell the public that they don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, cause sure. I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but... I would worry about a serial killer being out there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. It's it's a valid concern. I mean, I I do think that if if they have someone in mind who's in prison, honestly, I don't think it would take that long for them to really figure it out 
for sure, whether it's that person or not. So, um, so the kind of doubtful, they're not really completely saying whether they have someone or not, definitely leaves room for concern, for sure. Well, I tell you what, I had uh, an ex that used to beat me all the time, and uh, I don't doubt him at all. Mm-hmm. That he could turn like that, you know? Sure. Some people do have that, that streak in them where you, you know that uh, it wouldn't take much to push them over that edge, so to speak, so... So, yeah, I can, uh, I can oh, hear you on I that one. Remember there was a night where, and I put him in jail for four years. Um, he painted my floors and my mini blinds. and my ho- Matter of fact, my whole living room was painted with my blood. Mm. Oh, Lord, Ju- uh, Judy. When was yeah. this? That was back in um, the 80s. Mm-hmm. that he did this, and I put him in jail for four years. He got out, and, do you know, he wanted to be friends and all this, and, you know, it's like, no, I can't be friends with you. I was pregnant with his child, and he kicked me in the stomach, kicked me in the ribs. He painted my whole living room with my mm. blood, you know? Mm, that's horrific. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Judy, I have a a posting here in response to one of the articles from a Peter Henderson Jr. He's one of the top commentators. He's from New Milford. And he's listing some missing women who could possibly be um, some of the four victims. Well, they've identified one. So there's three more victims that stand to be identified from the newest bodies. And they're say they're not being matched up with uh, missing persons, but there's a Melanie Ruth Camelini, okay, 29, and she was identified as one of the bodies. She's been missing since January 2003 from Waterbury. A Monica Hartnett, 44, has been missing since sometime of January in 2003 from Danbury. Marilyn Mendez Gonzalez, 26, has been missing since May 15, 2003, from Waterbury, Connecticut. And Nilsa Hedy Arizmendi, 33, has been missing since July of 2003 from Weathersfield. Um, you know, it's if they're saying that, gee, back in 2006 and 2007 and 2008, they couldn't match any uh, of the remains to missing persons, who had been reported, well, here's a fellow who's not involved with the police apparently, and he's listing five or six possibilities. So I think they need to hire this guy. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> well, the field is like really, really close to New Britain. Milford mm-hmm. is across, across the state. So, you know, but well, I'm not saying that they couldn't have taken him across the state, but I'm just saying that's like... You know, I think what we're well, doing. Yeah, haven't you said, a, Judy? Hadn't <laughs> huh? hadn't you said that you thought that it may be that this particular killer is killing elsewhere and dumping his bodies yeah, at I this did. site? Yeah, 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 I did. 
You know, I mean, I think he's going outside of the the range. Um, There was actually a man that was arrested for dragging a girl, like, on the bumper of a car, tied up like Uh. a dog, dragging her down the road in his car. Mm -hmm. Um, What's saying that he's not the serial killer, you know? Hmm. Right. I mean, the thing that's uh, out of the names that you listed, that there, it seems like a lot of women went missing in a very kind of short space of time in 2003. And uh, for that to not set somebody's radar off back then, you know, it, it seems that a lot of time has gone by for this to have not been resolved, you know, a lot sooner. Yeah, that's um, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I just looked something up. Um, one of the articles mentioned cold case cards being distributed uh, within the, the prison population. I've right. never heard of cold case cards. Um, the Connecticut um, yeah, Department of Connection. Yeah, as a matter Connection. of fact, um, I used to have a deck of cold case cards. Mm-hmm. And um, Heather, one of our friends, Lisa Raymond, her brother was in that deck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I was told that and if I did, when I did my time, the 120 days for DUI, I was told if I did not take a deck of those cold case cards, I would get another charge on me. <laughs> like, are you freaking kidding me? Really? Yeah, you and know? I had never heard of these, but they, they literally make a playing card deck highlighting 52 unsolved homicides mm-hmm. or missing right. persons or unidentified remains. Uh, and it, the, the, this, I'm looking at the uh, Connecticut uh, Department of Correction page, so I don't know if these exist in other states. And, I mean, if it if it's helping, if tips are coming in, that can right. bring justice for the victims or just the family members who are wondering where they are and what happened. You know, if if someone can help with that, sure. then, then that... I mean, prison populations are the best place for that kind of thing because, I mean, whether it's people who are out on the streets themselves and, you know, they remember something or they knew somebody mm-hmm. or or they just happened, you know, to be doing time and end up chit-chatting with somebody and somebody lets it slip about their past and what they did. I mean, the amount of cases that get closed because somebody had loose lips and and decided to talk about what they did. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good idea. I don't know that it, that they distribute those cards in all states. Um, I think they should. Um, but I know that are, they do uh, in I'm some going places. Through them now, and a lot of them are unsolved homicide. In a case of my friend Lisa, where I used to board my horse, um, her brother just up and disappeared, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, missing persons. I mean... We don't want to find I, their bones, you know. We've... <laughs> Sure. Sure. I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, uh, what's there? You had you had a a case of 
Stumpy being a drug addict. I mean, he was a big-time drug addict and stuff, and he went missing, you know? Right. And that's the thing that's too bad. The minute you have a drug history, you know, the police uh, are a little wary on listing you as a missing person because automatically they think, oh, you do drugs, you know, you're not responsible, you can, you know, be just deciding to take a hike somewhere, not let your family know or whatnot. And it's really too bad because, you know, the fact that you have a drug history really shouldn't make police take your case less seriously. And the amount of cases that could have been prevented, murders that could have been prevented, um, had the police paid attention sooner, it's really too bad. And um, that's something I definitely think should change in police procedure. Well, see, the thing is, is that, you know, when I left Hartford, Connecticut, I left under the assumption I was with my son, which my son did pick me up, so I could get on the bus to get here, you know, and uh, she actually reported me, the the girl that I was staying with, she actually reported me as missing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... You know how that goes. Um, right, she right. Reported as missing and basically dead. Mhm. You know, and uh, she even called my son, and um, right. my son says to her, when she asked him where I was, my son's reply to her was, "I don't know. Where'd you hide the body?" Oh. <laughs> oh, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she reported me missing. Wow, dead, possibly dead. Well, sure. wouldn't you rather someone reported you missing than <laughs> no one noticed you were gone? Right, right. right. But I had to call the Hartford Police Department to let them know where I was at and that I was fine. You know, I'm not dead. Sure. I'm mighty well alive here. Hello. <laughs> Because the last person that saw me was my own kid, you know? Sure. I'm not going to have him going to jail for me missing when I wasn't missing. I just, right. like, kind of disappeared, you know? Sure, sure. Mm. And, and, you know, yeah. that's my thing. Everybody reports everybody missing that's of age to be missing, and it's like, how mm-hmm. do you know they just didn't get fed up with your bullshit and just went, right. Wait. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, on the flip side of that, the whole uh, when they have to wait, you know, 24 to 48 hours before they really consider somebody missing, you know, if you really are missing, that's too bad because, you know, anybody who watches a crime show, they'll, they'll know that the first 24 to 48 hours are the most important in any missing person's investigation yeah, or criminal investigation. Absolutely. So. So I yeah, watch I mean, criminal minds all the time, and they criminal minds tells me if you don't find them within the first forty eight hours, then they're probably dead. Right, <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that, and that's why well, in a way it's kind of unnerving and discomforting having, to find having out. Having worked that, with yeah. runaway teenagers for a lot of uh-huh. years, boy, they can disappear. <laughs> right. They can disappear and. You know, I mean, their friends hide them, and 
Okay, they find new friends, they move on. So, yeah, someone mm-hmm. can go missing. Yeah, well, but... Heather, that's when Lisa's brother went missing when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. you know. Well, I mean, people can disappear if they want to. I mean, especially, I mean, it's getting harder to do that again with technology, but, I mean, it's still possible. And, uh I mean, I understand for police, you know, and cops, they don't want every missing person. You know, it, it, it's tough because they don't want to waste resources if it is just a teenager heading to a friend's house or someone who's sick of their home life and deciding to disappear for a few days. But again, on the flip side, if you really are missing, um, yeah, it's it's really too bad that they're not going to start the investigation well, see, I, for 24, I 48 hours. But he always yeah. knows where I am, and I think, you know... Mm-hmm. As a close friend, I always tell Heather, it's like, I'm going here, I'm going there, but don't tell nobody. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think maybe that's a good rule of thumb for anybody that's going missing, you know, on their own accord. Yeah, that they should just at least let somebody know first. That's right. <laughs> that should be let us know rule. where well, we should look for the body, why. Judy. <laughs> let us know where we should look for the body. Right. Well, like, Heather, like going Heather, on your Hmm. Heather, can't, Heather, you can't lie. That's the thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, man. That's too funny. Well, when was the last big Connecticut serial killer? That Was it that uh, Michael Ross? or was Michael, it Michael Ross? Ross? That's, what, that's what they mentioned that, you know. Hmm. They even mentioned, mentioned him in the article that, well, Michael Ross was executed before all this started happened, so we count him out. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know too much about his case. I know the basics, but uh, I know you've mentioned him, Judy, from time to time. So, uh, yeah. Michael Ross basically had no empathy, no remorse, no nothing. He, The day he was getting executed, he, you know, went through his daily life like he should. Um, the only thing he took to the holding cell before he went in to get executed was a Bible and a cup of coffee and, like, something to eat, a little, like, snack or something. Sure. But he ate what the prisoners ate, you know. He mm-hmm. he did everything that the prisoners did that day. I mean, and it's right. like, I can't imagine that, you know. To mm-hmm. that, though, I have to say I found that that's kind of fairly common with a lot of guys, and I was surprised by it at first, but... From talking to men who have been executed, they their answer to that is, you know, generally, especially the guilty ones, look, I'm guilty. I've had X amount of time to prepare for this. I know I'm on death row, you know, and I'm ready kind of thing. And it's uh, one guy put it to me. He said, you know, I'm looking at it like a motel. This is checkout time. So, so a lot of them, yeah, by the time it happens, they're almost a little bit numb and ready and are kind of. Yeah, it's more everybody else around them who are a little unnerved by the situation and how to deal with it and stressed out. And a lot of the time, the inmates are actually pretty okay. But, you know, I wish that, I mean, he was considered the Eggman because he went in, you know, he worked on chicken farms. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I think I, I think that's the one thing I remember is that as, as a child he grew up on on a farm and he uh, 
his job was to uh, strangle the chickens or something like that. Right. So, they said that no, they, the family what happened when he was a child. The family felt uh, that he had been molested by an uncle, um, but he always denied it. And okay. then Judy was at the uncle when he died, and that was when uh, when Michael took over, uh, having to put down the chickens on occasion, and because uh, it was a family business. Uh, right. But uh, this is interesting. The prosecutor, uh, last name is Kane, uh, Kevin Kane, who prosecuted Michael Ross, he's also involved in this case. And huh. uh, he was actually on site when they were doing the most recent searches for bodies. And hmm. he's made the statement that actually Connecticut has more than its share of serial killers dating all the way back to the 1950s. Uh, Michael Ross oh. is the best known, but there was Joseph Mad Dog Taborski, who killed several people during a series of robberies in different towns, including New Britain. And then there was Pedro Miranda, who was taking into custody at his New Britain home. Man, we better stay out of New Britain. In December of 2008, <laughs> allegedly for killing three young women in the late 1980s, including one who was related to him. Um, so, but now, I mean, in addition to the FBI and the cadaver dogs, uh, we have a, a large unit out there uh, working. They've brought in uh, the state anthropologist. We have police departments from several areas, and again, the cadaver dogs and the FBI. And they're yeah, well, they're they just digging up. They bought the cadaver dogs, and I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I I think they're like way behind their times. Um, we don't know if Michael Ross did any of these killings. We don't know how, when these women were exactly killed and buried in the woods. I mean, it seems like his M.O. because of the fact that every murder that Michael Ross did, he buried them in the woods or buried them in, under leaves, you know? Hmm. I mean, Michael Ross, he did a killing in Norwich, Connecticut, where his mom was committed to. And he killed right. somebody outside there and buried her in the leaves, you know? Well, and mm-hmm. you have a good point, Judy, because uh, Michael Ross was executed on May 13th in 2005. And a good many of these bodies have been missing since 2003. So right. I, it, it is at... entirely possible. And perhaps if that's what the police are looking at, that's why they're saying that the general public is not at risk. They may not be ready to say, yep, these are more to chalk up to Michael Ross. But, uh, oh. Are they saying how the victims were murdered at all, if they were strangled or shot or anything like that? No, or I, haven't, I haven't seen any of those comments. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps they actually, wait a minute, let me look at the cold case cards, uh, because several of our our victims were listed there. Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I'm in. I never heard of these cards, and now I'm really liking this. It just you might write, run across Lisa's brother in there, Heather. What's the uh, What's the full name? Say on any of Michael Ross's things that he was uh, even anywhere near New Britain, but that don't mean he wasn't there. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're not saying, uh, they're just saying the body was identified. The remains were found in 2007 and later identified. I'm not seeing any statements of how how the victims were killed. Hmm. Yeah. I'll be very curious on what they have to say about that once that information is released at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a if there's a comparison, if this this looks like it. now, um, how did Michael Ross kill his victims? Was he the one who strangled them from behind? Hold on, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. I'm on his uh, Murderpedia page right now, so I got to scroll back up. Mm. Um, I believe he was strangling his victims. Yeah, raping and or he didn't rape oh, all his victims, but he raped. He raped uh, them and then them. he turned them over. Oh yeah, he was the one that raped his victims, turned them over onto their stomach, and then strangled them. Okay. Now I do have to say, I have to take that back. Um, it doesn't look like these can be Michael Ross killings because he was in prison for two decades before he was executed in 2005. Right. So he was he was in jail. His murders took place in the early 1980s, and these sure. ladies are well afterwards. So. Um, well, this is 19. I got 1981, 1982, 1984. Right. 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 Yeah. And and he was in jail uh, while these sure. while these poor women were murdered and buried in New Britain, Connecticut. Right. So we will be holding on. I'm mm-hmm. there. It, the articles seem to be popping up even as we speak. Um, sure. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking through Michael Ross's stuff right now, and I'm like, I feel a sadness within me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why. You know, sure. I, mean, I mean... Huh? Uh, yeah, there's some there's some cases that will definitely uh, strike a, a chord in you. I mean, and others, while sad, you know, might not affect you quite as much. So, I mean, I can understand that. Well, this his execution was the first execution of 45 years, you know? Right. Um, I feel that Michael Ross needed some kind of psychiatric help. He should have been sent down to the Whiting Forensic Institute. You know, and recently they Mm -hmm. had a, a dealing with a guy that was a murderer. He was sent to Whiting Forensic Institute where he actually, he assaulted the guards, inmates, he didn't care who he assaulted, he assaulted them uh, on three different occasions, and finally the judge says, that's it, he's going into regular jail, and he's not going back to Whiting Forensic Institute, and that's all they wrote. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> was he diagnosed with anything like schizophrenia or anything like that, or was he, quote-unquote, sound in the mind, I mean... Or was no, he dealing with mental crazy. issues? Okay, okay. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Being that he was in the crazy hospital for the criminally insane. Right, right. To and, you know. But he was executed. If he was, if he was insane, criminally insane, legally declared, then they could not have executed him. His... Uh, 
his history right. and his behavior sounds like we're looking at an antisocial personality disorder, uh, probably a psychopath. The laws didn't apply to him. He had no feelings for uh, his victims, never any sign of remorse. Um, this, oh, all right, I'll get lots of mean calls on this, but hey, the man was a waste of human space. I, <laughs> I'm glad he went to jail. I'm glad they executed him. I'm glad he's not there to do any injury to anyone else. Um, and and I hope they find whoever has perpetrated these crimes and make sure that the same thing happens. Right. Well, oh, I mean, and... I'm against the death penalty, so I mean, I, w- I won't get into that debate. But I mean, but I do believe, you know, if you take a life, you do deserve to go to prison and serve your time and and be put in a place where you can't harm others. So yeah, I uh, I absolutely believe in that, and you know, I believe for the victims of this serial killer or killers, um, you know, it's incredibly sad and tragic, and hopefully there will be some sort of resolution to it soon enough. And, yeah, but see, and the, the person only behind thing I it will be. With that, is, yeah. um, you have somebody that's in jail for murder, and yet you're allowing them to work in a kitchen with knives. Because mm-hmm. I had books. Well, and also. Yeah, and we also have to say they might be in prison so they can't hurt anyone in the general public, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not, I mean, it, it certainly gang-related problems in prison. I mean, that's that's a nightmare. Sure. Uh, and right. some of the guards then, it is found later, have, uh, have gang affiliations, and so they mm-hmm. turn their back. Uh, right. It's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. I found that with um, a lot of the older and old, quote unquote, old school convicts. I mean, they they really have a problem with all the the young gang members. And really, because also prison life used to be easier, as in less violent, less issues, less problems, more freedoms Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, the gang life and gang members really kind of um, changed that and made it tougher on everybody and a lot more violent and um, set a whole new tone in prison. So, um, and yeah, you're right. There are a lot of officers who who get jobs specifically because they have a brother or whoever Mm -hmm. who's a gang member and, uh, yeah, get themselves in a position where they can help out and, uh, yeah, it's too bad. And I mean, even in the prisons I go into, I mean, there's things I hear of, be of constantly. And yeah, they are not above board at all. So mm. um, those things do happen. And it's too bad. You know, yesterday I watched a movie. It's called The Fields, Leia. And uh, uh-huh. the little kid on there, he's a black eyed child. I'm telling you, he was a black-eyed child. He had blonde mm-hmm. hair, but he had black eyes. Right. And um, he often was asking questions about Charlie Manson. You know, is he ever going to mm-hmm. get out of prison and, and this and that? And, I mean, the the family, what they went through throughout the movie, like he went to, he saw his father hold a gun to his mother's head then he went right. to live with his grandparents. The grandparents told him not to go through the cornfield, but he went through the cornfield anyway because, you know, 
he was because mm-hmm. he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he found right. a dead body there, and it's like then he went to his um, this farm in this little van, a Volkswagen van, pulled up, and uh, she went up against one of the girls. Got up there, and she went up against the the truck window and said, uh, Jesus Christ Almighty, a mouse ran up my nighty, bit my rump, and then she said, Jesus Christ Almighty, and I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but things like people were throwing, I mean, this, this group of hippies or whatever they were, were throwing stuff through their windows and, you know, breaking the windows and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, I don't know. The kid had black eyes. I mean, black-eyed children. I, I yeah, you'll have to. Strange. You might need to tell some of the listeners what the black-eyed children are and what the history behind uh, black their Black-eyed children is. are basically demonic children. If they come to your door, do not let them in because you will have demonic entities in your house. That's what they're there for. I have seen black-eyed people before in many, many different instances, and uh, it's not nice. I mean, even Charles Manson, if you look at him really close, he has black eyes in some of his pictures. Yes, he does. Hmm. Okay, now, I'm going to share this. It's a little off-topic, but I just found uh, another interesting article, and the title is... 15 Real Death Row Requests That Will Send a Chill Down Your Spine. Uh, And as you were talking about Michael Ross just choosing to eat, you know, what the other other people ate, well, they're telling me that there's going to be something different here. And (laughs) Teresa Lewis, um, she was convicted of killing her husband and stepson was lethally injected on the charges of murder, robbery, and conspiracy. Her last request was fried chicken, peas, butter, and apple pie, and a doctor. And okay. A and a doctor. <laughs> maybe she well, could. Maybe she needed oh, a doctor. I'm sorry. She there was another that, line. And a Dr. Pepper. The next line was on the next page. I'm sorry. <laughs> that makes uh, a little more sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. If you're facing a little <laughs> injection. So. <laughs> oh, Alan Lee Davis. I don't this know. Me very... myself, if I, was, if I was on death row, I would want a big T-bone steak with French fries. <laughs> Yes, that's also what she was like on her next date, any of her admirers who are out there. (laughs) (laughs) Alan Lee Davis, this was a big controversy. He was executed by electric chair, which started a set of debates on capital punishment. He was charged in 1982 for the murder of a pregnant woman and her two children. And his last meal, lobster tail, fried potatoes, half a pound of fried shrimp, six ounces of fried clams. Now, why we want eight ounces of fried shrimp and six ounces of fried clams, I can't tell you. Half a loaf of garlic (laughs) bread and 
32 ounces of A&W root beer. Maybe he thought if he got all bloated, they wouldn't be able to fit everything around him. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so far these are not sending chills down my neck. Though. No, no. Uh, so let's see. Victor Figure uh, hanged in 1963. Uh, he was the last person executed in Iowa until Timothy McVeigh in 2001. His last meal, he requested a single olive with the pit still in it, with the <laughs> hope that it would grow into an olive tree from inside his body. Hmm. Wow. No. That's a little... Oh, here's one <laughs> of our favorites, Judy. Maybe you remember this one. Ted Bundy famously sent to the electric chair for more than 35 counts of murder. He declined his last meal of choice. And he again got the standard steak, eggs, hash browns, toast, milk, and juice. That's the standard steak, eggs, hash browns, toast, milk, and juice. Wow. <laughs> okay. And again in Iowa, Timothy McVeigh, uh, the Oklahoma City bomber, his last wish this is kind of sad. Two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Hmm. He was young. John Wayne Gacy. Come on, Judy, you remember this one. <laughs> he wanted KFC because he had been a manager at a KFC before he was convicted. So we had KFC, French fries, and strawberries. 33 charges of, of rape and murder. And our female serial killer, Aileen Warnos. Uh, and she later, Charlize Theron, uh, we didn't played her, her. Yeah. monster. No, we haven't done her yet, but we have discussed her, discussed her a couple of times on other shows. Um, she had a hamburger and snack food from the canteen. She didn't want anything special. She just wanted mm -hmm. to, and she had a last cup of coffee. Yeah, but see, I, that's where that's where Michael Ross is like totally different from all the others. All he did was, you know, he ate what the prisoners ate, like he would eat every morning. He, you know, had took vis visitors, you know, mm -hmm. until he died that day. Well, and, and remember, uh, he said to the priest, "Yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow." And the priest said, you do understand that you're mm. going to be executed. And he just shrugged and, and walked away. Right. With the, guard. the one thing I will say about last meals in Texas, um, I know uh, Russell Brewer was blamed. Um, they said it's his fault. The, the TDC said it was his fault that, um, that they weren't serving whatever your request of a last meal was. And the reality is it actually wasn't his fault. They said that he ordered tons of food and then basically didn't eat it. And um, that's not what happened. And um, basically how it works in Texas in a nutshell is they give you kind of like a menu and there's four categories, but there's four meals in each choice. So uh, as in an appetizer, a main choice and a dessert. And you have to circle your first, second, third, and fourth choice in each category. It's cooked down in the prison kitchen, and they try and give you your first options or second options of each one that you selected. So he went right. ahead and did that. Um, but he was religious. He didn't have his Bible in time, and he asked for the Bible to be there. The spiritual advisor went back, got his Bible. By the time it came there, they said, look, you can either 
eat your meal or make your final phone calls to your family. So he chose to make the final phone calls to his family rather than eat the meal. And they released to the press, oh, look at all the food he had requested, giving out every item that had been on the menu without explaining uh. how it works. <laughs> and they said, yeah, and, and he, after ordering all that, he didn't eat any of it without saying that, no, they actually gave him a choice, and he chose to talk to his family over eating. But, you know, was upset about it. So that's the way it is in Texas now. So it, it's all mm. prison cooked. And, uh um, yeah, if you have another request that's within reason, like let's say you want an extra can of soda or something, or a can right. from the vending machine, they'll accommodate that. But it's no more whatever you want, like it used to be in the old days. So yeah. um, no more lobster and whatnot, like uh, <laughs> like that inmate in Florida has. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. several several people listed here asked for lobster and lobster tails, so it may depend um, on the state you're in, or if sure, a family member will does. bring it in to be to be cooked at the uh, at the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it I have another. It depends on states. Yeah. Yeah. I have another That's female sure. serial killer I, here. So, that I we, think a we, lot of that food is actually cooked at the prison before it's given to the prisoner. They just may not yeah. help about it. <laughs> yeah. We have another uh, female serial killer here, and I have never heard of her. Velma Barfield, uh, at least six victims. And she was executed in North Carolina in 1984, and hmm. she declined the special meal. Lots of people do. She ate a bag of cheese doodles and drank a 12-ounce can of Coke during her last <laughs> hours. And I suspect at my age that would kill me, so I maybe she just <laughs> wanted to beat the lethal injection. Uh, no, I I would just say like give me two packs of cigarettes to smoke before I'm you know two packs of cigarettes, a T-bone steak, some French fries, and I'm good to go. Well, that's the thing. In the old days, they used to give them cigarettes, and they used to in the real real old days give them a shot of whiskey. But that, those days are long long gone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I remember like when I was in like prison that, so. Yeah. I remember when I was in jail being held on bond. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to smoke there. Right. And I used I used to play cards for cigarettes, and I used to win all the time, and people get pissed off at me, but that's okay. <laughs> but I used to win the cigarettes, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, well, that's well, the well. thing. I mean, on one hand, you know, prisons all make money off anything. I'm, I'm a little surprised that they won't you know, sell cigarettes and make all that money off of it. But really, it's because when smoking became less and less popular everywhere, staff were complaining that they shouldn't have to work in a workplace where people are smoking cigarettes and whatnot. And uh, that's when they began to crack down on it. So, I and, uh, mean, Well, yeah, there's no smoking in jails anymore, not in Connecticut. Yep. You yep, it's nowhere. At all. So yep. it's like... I gave up smoking for 120 days, and I should have been over it. And then I moved back into a house that people are smoking like freaking chimneys. What do you want me to do? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, well, when like, I worked yeah. in the kitchen, and and this is the really weird part about jail, and I'm going to tell everybody out there, um, seriously, if anybody has to go do time, Make sure you get a job in the kitchen because you don't <laughs> eat like the inmates. You sure don't. Um, 
when I was in jail, I had stuff like little friggin' steaks and little grilled chicken breast and um, <laughs> all the other stuff they used to make. We used to call it slop. Mm-hmm. And there was a reason for that. We called it slop because they used to throw protein pills in that slop. Ugh. And then the protein pills, you know, they used to expand so it looked like part of the meal and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there was leftovers we used to pour it in five-gallon buckets and bring it, let the pig farmer take it and take it to his pigs to slop. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah, were actually getting you. fed <laughs> pig food. Mm-hmm. When I didn't work there, you know, in, in the kitchen, and that's what I was supposed to eat. It's like, no, that's okay. I'll order these little pepperoni packages and salami packages. Right. And I'll make myself papas. Well, mm-hmm. papas are... Scary. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hear this, Leah. You really do. <laughs> is you take a bag of sour cream and onion potato chips and you smoosh them up and you put uh-huh. hot water in them and make like a dough. Yeah. And then you put pepperoni or salami <laughs> and cheese in them and you roll them up and then you cook them with the hair dryer. That's what that's how we used to do in jail. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You really make do, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. And then we used to take the hot water and put it in the bowl with the cover on it and make ramen noodles and put the papas over it. Oh, right, right. Oh. <laughs> you do surprise when yeah. you live in jail. Really? Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, that's one thing. I, I never, ever envy the food. I mean, some of the food I hear about, I mean, while it's ingenious, it's really not appetizing. So Actually, <laughs> I went in there a size 10, uh-huh. 108 pounds, a size 10. Mm-hmm. And came out there 170 pounds, a size I don't know. No, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing in prison, the diabetes, everything is, like, out of control. There's inmates in California that will say the ramen noodles are killing everybody, killing everybody, because, yeah, you know, the, the salt and everything just. Well, you know, oh, you yeah. know what? That's the only <laughs> thing you can get to eat. Mm-hmm. Outside of the patches of pepperoni and cheese and, and salami. Sure. That's the only thing you get. Oh, you could get peanut butter and jelly, too, with crackers. Right. You could get that. You know, I had a lot mm-hmm. of that, too. You had sure. Had chips and cookies and what have you. Right. You know, but, yeah. I mean, who in the hell wants to pay $5 for a package of cookies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, who's able to? <laughs> You're right. That's the other thing. I mean, well, I had to back probably to... Well, I so I was able to tell <laughs> I know in Texas, it, oh, it's kind of scary, but they, they uh, on Texas Death Row, they don't get real milk there, so they get a powdered milk, um, which is like half soy, half some sort of, yeah, other milk powder. But none of the men drink it there because, as it's been told to me, if you leave it in a cup and leave it overnight, it completely solidifies, almost like hard plastic by the next day. And they're like, yeah, you know, God knows what's in that, but they're not drinking it. So, <laughs> we yeah, have real if, um, 
Yeah, no, that's lucky. Some states do get real milk, but yeah, Texas. Well, you know, I wanna, you know no when way. you go through the cow line and you get your meals and stuff, you got a, a choice between juice or milk. You couldn't take both. You had one or the right. other. Sure. But they used to come in the little, uh, the little containers. You know, little ones. The containers mm-hmm. uh, the, sure. with the wax on it. You know, right. like when you were in like school. And stuff, yeah, yeah. That's what you got. Sure. For milk. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, some low, states are definitely better than low. others. Mhm. Yeah, that's uh, it's amazing to see. I mean, some of the the food that they get in visitation in Texas. I mean, you know, frozen food that there's no microwave to heat up, but it's really, really unappetizing looking. But for those guys, compared to what they eat day to day, I mean, it's like gold. And, oh, they, they'll wash that stuff down, and they're always like, oh, have some, have some. And I'm like, uh-uh, oh, it's all right. You have it all, you know. I just, yeah, yeah it's right? uh, beyond unappetizing. So, yeah. <laughs> now, when you go to visit these people at the jail, I mean, yeah. do you go in a big visiting room or um, okay. usually okay. it's, uh, like little cages, like in California's death row, you get locked into a small cage, which is almost like a cell. What actually what it looks like is dog kennels. Um, and inside you have a little table and chairs and the inmates get unhandcuffed and, and yeah, you're locked in the cage, you know, and you're supposed to stay seated, but they can stand up, you know, if it's something within reason. Uh, a place like Texas, it's completely non-contact, and it's all behind glass, uh, always. Because um, I went yeah. I went to visit my ex in Missouri, and, I mean, we went in this big room. I mean, he wasn't in there for murder or nothing, but right. we went in this big room, and they were actually vending <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> she would say, she would say to me all the time, "Baby, bring, make sure you bring enough change up here." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. I mean, it, it does add up because yeah, there there is always the vending machines, and uh, I mean, they can't touch them or access them, but I can. So yeah, yeah. Well, they couldn't up. access them either, but you can. That's I sure. had to go up and get whatever he wanted and stuff like that, you know? Right, right. (laughs) All right. Well, ladies, it is after Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock and my phone is at 2%. So (laughs) I'm going to say good night, but I'll stay in the chat room. I'm about ready to say good night and go to bed, too. My dog is in there. He's wondering where the hell I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Well, Leah, it was great to have you tonight on this kind of impromptu um, session. And uh, any of our listeners, yeah, Yeah. we will certainly uh, be sharing updates on the scheduled shows. I know Judy's got a lot of them up there for the rest of May, and we're booking into June. So... If someone has a specific Well, I don't know about period. that one in June because I don't know about orbology. I know. <laughs> we'll, we will... Hey, maybe he has a degree from the College of Pledge. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we, we shall see. Wait, have you got anything else coming up 
for this month? Um, as of the moment, I have a few projects and whatnot, and I'll be a guest on a couple other shows in the next month, and I will be letting people know about that. But, uh, but yeah, again, for tonight, thanks again for having me on. I always enjoy the discussions. So. Oh, anytime, anytime. All righty. All right. Well, good night, all. Good night, Heather. Um, yes, good night. On Thursday, I have S.J. Wells coming up. She's um, a paranormal writer. She's going to tell us what she went through as a child as far as the paranormal. Um, Sunday, I have Scott Hamilton coming up, and he's going to tell us about his program he has in Connecticut as far as teaching Paranormal 101. Um, uh, Monday, which I usually don't do shows back-to-back, but I am, I have Jane Hitchcock coming on, and she's a uh, she works with people that are being harassed on the internet, like I have been, and I have already put a uh, complaint into them with uh, another person that's on the internet. Then I have author Chris DeCesar coming on, and he's going to explain about uh, what he went through in college. The 24th, I have a surprise coming for everybody. It's not listed yet. Uh, The 28th, I have Valentina Marie Lombard coming on, and she is a psychic medium. And the 4th is Dead Tribe Paranormal. We're going to learn about orbology, (laughs) which I have no clue what the hell that is. But anyway, that's what we're going to do learn about I keep telling these people you know contact me because you know you, you need you know, I'm going to I'm going to blast them they're they're just going to be exposed as being frauds <laughs> and fake and shit everybody comes from right. Middletown Connecticut and you know what you know what's in Middletown Connecticut is a crazy house where you used to be able to bring people there and get $500 for each person right oh man so <laughs> Well, that's good to know, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. That is funny, though. Sure, it definitely is. Because you know what? If they still did that today, I know a whole bunch of people in <laughs> Connecticut. I'd have to rent a bus. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. I know a few people I could drive over myself, so, yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. But anyway, it was great having you on the show. I know, you know, I scheduled for two hours, but that's okay. Um, No, that's all right. We had fun. Definitely, definitely. So, no, that worked out great. So, yeah, Um, you had a good discussion. uh, What's his name? Um, Farrick there. He's going to reschedule. John Farrick? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So that'll be good. Yeah, um, because yeah, I'm really interested in that story. So that'll that'll be good for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. I mean, Perfect. I, to tell you the truth, in today's paranormal world, I get crazy things on the internet from crazy mm-hmm. people, and you know, and and. Sure. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, you don't know if these people are legit or they're just crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, definitely. I hear you on that one. I mean, 
I, I mean, it's kind of similar with the true crime thing. I get some messages and sometimes, yeah, they really have you have scratching your head like, <laughs> you know, who is this person? And are they being honest or are they just plum crazy kind of like? Oh, no, so, I, got, I yeah. get things like <laughs> there's something attacking me sexually. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a tough one, you know. But, oh, yeah. I've gotten, like I said, I've gotten my share of crazy messages. So it's and, like, do you uh, take this as, do you take this seriously or do you just say, okay, lay back, and re- lay back relax, and enjoy it? <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> that is definitely, oh, man, it's too funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like I said. I'm glad again that uh, yeah, that show worked out tonight. I'm I'm totally curious about this case now and uh, and seeing where it goes. You know, yeah. Well, their phone number, like I said before, their phone number um to the police station is eight six zero eight two six three thousand. You know, eight two six three thousand. Area code eight six zero. So. Right, right. No, no, no. Well, perfect. I'll be called back tomorrow when you know the detectives are working on it and stuff, and I will call back tomorrow and I'll let them know I got it out there now. Sure. If anybody sure. knows about that case, please call New Britain Police Department eight eight six zero eight two six three thousand and ask for the detective bureau. Mhm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. So, so yeah. yeah. Well, me myself, being you know who I am, mm-hmm. I will call back tomorrow and uh, sure with them because that 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 is like I lived like right up the street from there. I worked right in front of the buildings where they found the bodies behind the buildings. You know. Right. Right. Sure. Again, I'm not familiar with that area, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I'm more, I'm definitely more curious on uh, finding out who's behind it because I'm sure it'll explain a lot about why those bodies well, are where are they a are. There are crazy and, people in New Britain, Connecticut, and I could vouch for that because you know, I know mm-hmm. I used to live there. You know, there's people sure. living outside and stuff, and Right. People talking to themselves and shit like that. So, <laughs> you, you never know, sure. you know? Uh-huh. Well, no, I mean, like I said earlier, I am a little bit surprised that it seems that all these women went missing in 2003 in such a kind of short space of time, and that didn't alert anybody. I mean, or if it did, they certainly didn't make uh, much noise about it publicly, so... Um, yeah, well, we yeah. don't know if all these women were exactly from New Britain or not. They might have been mm-hmm. from somewhere else, you know? Sure, sure. One of yeah. them was Weathersfield. I used to live in Weathersfield with my mom, you know? Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to say the least. So we'll have to see what happens. But, um, yeah, well, on that note, I will be... Uh, signing out for the evening but um yeah again thank you for having me on the show as always 
Oh, that's no problem. I enjoy having you on the show. I'm going to be starting my, uh, in June, I'm going to be starting my uh, serial killer show up again. I'm starting my shows up again on a whole new platform. (laughs) No, that sounds great. You know, I'm excited for it. So, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I'm going to have it on a platform where we could take a break between the two mm-hmm. hours for five, ten minutes, you know, play music and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Oh, that'll be so, cool. Yeah, that's how it's going to go. Right, that's right. Oh, that'll be have. interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll look forward to that. That sounds great. So, yeah, well, have a good rest of your evening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. I'll be curious what the detective has to say. So, Okay. All right, I sounds good. Have a good then. rest of your night. Good night, honey. And I want to thank everybody for being in the chat room, and I say good night to everybody else till next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.